Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the readings for the Feast of Pentecost. And Pentecost is an amazing event within the church, and we kind of get to look at this as the beginning of the Christian church as we know it. This is, of course, the sending of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of what Jesus speaks about in our Gospel lesson, which comes to us from St. John chapter 7. But then we also see the, the fullness of all of Jesus' ministry coming to fruition. So Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that was promised in the Old Testament. We have and see the need as sinners, as fallen, corrupted creation, create, creation we need to be rescued. We need to be saved. And we can't do this on our own. We can't fulfill God's law. We can't fulfill God's commands. It needs to take place outside of us. And Jesus comes. He is sent by the Father into our time, our space, and our flesh. And he does what we are incapable of doing, living the perfect life, fulfilling all of God's laws, commands, and will perfectly. And he does this, and this is what he teaches his disciples, and this is what he shows them. He does this by doing miracles. He's fixing what is broken. So he heals people. He feeds people. He shows them all of what should be. We should be perfect. We should be healed. We should see. We should hear. We should speak. We should walk. We should do all these things in relation to God and then, of course, in relation to one another. And we do this in the connectedness of what God delivers, and God being Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We have the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit reveals to us the work and fullness of Christ. And Christ then in turn, reveals the fullness of God the Father. And so we kind of see this triangle, this circle, uh, always constantly moving, and the Trinity is always at work delivering and giving what we need in Christ. So now we come to the Feast of Pentecost, and we hear in the epistle lesson, or the the second, yeah, well, it's the epistle reading. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues came a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And what I love about this is this shows so much of what the church is supposed to do. First of all, we're, we are to receive the Holy Spirit. And the idea that he 
comes, this mighty wind. This was a sound that everybody heard, even the people outside, because we will later hear that the apostles will go out and they will start talking to everybody who has shown up for Passover. Jerusalem has swelled up, uh, the population of Jerusalem has swelled up to, to over a million of people, and they're all there. And so you got all various people who have come to uh, observe the Passover. So different uh, different countries, different representatives of different countries have come. So you've got a lot of people there. And these divided tongues of fire. And what I love about this, and I've said this before in sermons and Bible classes, is Pentecost fixes what was broken in the Tower of Babel, all the way back in Genesis. And we need to remember, in the Tower of Babel, that historic event, after the flood, you have this great mighty guy named Nimrod. And he is able to rally the people and gather them, and they as a whole decide to build a tower that will reach into the heavens. And they're doing this because they actually want to protect themselves from God. The flood is still pretty recent in their memory, even though it happened a couple hundred years after the building of the Tower of Babel. But the people realize God is strong, God is mighty, and he can wipe out the earth. He could flood the earth. So what do we need to do? We need to protect ourselves just in case this happens again. And so they gather together, they gather their resources, they gather their intellect, and they come to build, to make their name known in heaven. They are going to rival God and show that they too can protect. They too are mighty. They too can live. And and when I say live, they live unto their own. They want to be completely dependent upon all the work of their hands, all the works of their thoughts, their reason, their emotions, whatever. They want to live as if, frankly, they're God. And we hear in Genesis that God sees what's taking place, comes down, and confuses their language. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been to foreign countries. I've met people who do not speak English. And it is very frustrating to try to communicate to someone who you know doesn't understand the words coming out of your mouth. And I cannot imagine the suddenness of this, that at one moment you're talking to someone, having a full conversation, and then suddenly you don't understand what they're saying. It is literally gibberish to you. How mad, how scared you would be. And everybody disperses. And I believe that there were pockets of people. So this group of people was able to speak this language. This group of people was able to speak this language. And so the confusion confusion of language wasn't that everybody spoke, every single individual spoke a different language, but groups of people spoke different languages. And so they went off into their own tribes and their own communities because they could communicate. They weren't that isolated, but they could no longer work together. They could no longer compete against God. 
Now, with this, this isn't that God felt threatened and he was scared that man would build a tower so powerful, so big, that he would no longer be God. This shows that when man, when we get it in our minds to act and do what we think is right, we're really working to replace God, which leads nowhere but death. And if we do this, if we continue to do this, it will lead to eternal damnation, eternal hell. And so by God confusing the language, he is showing, first of all, that he is God and he's in control. And it also shows the power of language. The word made flesh, the word of God, is delivered and given. And this is through preaching, this is through prophesying, and so on and so forth. We need to communicate. We need to converse. And this is all about relationship. And God, once again, shows the desire that he has to have a relationship with you, to have a relationship with his creation. By confusing the languages, he is showing that he has power and that he will come in the various languages to restore, to complete, and fulfill all that is needed to make what is broken, fixed, whole, and perfect in Christ our Lord. And so by confusing... He is setting up the work that Jesus will fulfill and that Jesus will complete. So moving and fast-forwarding, you have the dispersion of people that go into their own tribes and languages and so on and so forth. But then we have Jesus shows up and he is born into the world, into the flesh, the Word made flesh, and he comes to relate to you. And he does this by taking on your flesh. And this isn't Jesus taking a vacation from heaven. This isn't Jesus being an imposter, a fake, and just um, being a poser. He's posing as human. He's pretending to be human. No, he is fully human. And he comes to redeem the broken flesh, the broken language, the broken creation. And he does this by living perfectly and then dying on the cross. Now, during this whole time, we have the disciples who are hearing and seeing Jesus at work. And we need to understand that the work of the Holy Spirit is active. We have people being baptized. We have people desiring to not only believe, but to repent and to follow Jesus. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And we have in our gospel lesson, we have Jesus saying on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit has not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So with this, it's not that these people by their own power, strength, reason, might, were able to come to a saving faith without the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, again, has been working, but what Jesus is talking about is the fullness, seeing the fullness and connecting the dots of Jesus' death, 
resurrection, and life eternal for our life eternal, the removal of our sins. Only after the resurrection, only in the day of Pentecost and the days after, does the Holy Spirit open our eyes to the historic event of Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus had not yet, in John 7, died on the cross. So Jesus is still pointing forward. He's pointing to the future completion of his work so that people will know that the Spirit will reveal to them the fullness of what this means. And this is what we do in and through the divine service. We continue to point to Christ, but the Holy Spirit is the one who opens our eyes of faith, opens our ears of faith, so that we see and hear the fullness of the completion of what God has given to us. And it is here that we get to see the work of God for us to us. And this is what we get to believe. And again, this is all about the work of the Holy Spirit. And going back to the actual day of Pentecost, the disciples, when they receive the Spirit, they are able to speak in different languages. And I want to just take a moment to go down this rabbit hole. We're not talking about uh, divine languages. We're talking about known languages, because you hear that all the people who have gathered in Jerusalem from foreign countries, they're able to hear the disciples speak in their own language. This is really important because you have Christian denominations. They're called uh, the holiness uh, denominations. This would be Pentecostals and, and the like. And they talk about speaking in tongues, that the Holy Spirit so moves them that they speak these foreign divine languages that nobody knows. This is actually not scriptural. The word in Greek is the tongue. They are able to, it's glacia which means speak uh, language. And the Holy Spirit miraculously gives the ability to the apostles to speak in languages that they previously did not know. So, I do not know how to speak Japanese. And so, to make an example, the Holy Spirit would so move work upon me that I would be able to speak Japanese fluently to bring the gospel to the Japanese. Now, there are people who speak Japanese. That is a known language. And the idea is God is giving the disciples, giving the church, giving the apostles the ability to bring the gospel out into the world. That means to foreign languages. That means foreign people. But you, we, the church, are connecting and delivering the very Word of God in their language. And I, I think this is amazing and makes a huge, huge statement. So think about it this way. God is in heaven, and He has promised salvation. Now notice how He promises salvation. He does not say, believe and live, and, you know, a big mighty voice coming from heaven, and then we're, we're left to figure this out. We're, we're left to hope that we make it. No. What Jesus does, or what God does, is he sends Jesus. He sends Jesus into a foreign land, creation. Now, we have to remember, God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, 
is as far away from us as possible. We're not God. We will never understand the fullness of God. His understanding is not our understanding. His ways are not our ways. And so God is truly this foreign entity that we cannot understand. And no matter how smart we are, no matter how much we feel, whatever, we cannot bring ourselves to God. God knows this. God sees this. And just as he said to Adam, this is not good. And he sends Jesus into the foreign land, truly enemy territory. And he becomes one of us. He dwells in this foreign nation, this foreign world. And he takes on the plight the corruptedness of your flesh, of my flesh, of our flesh. And he makes it right. And he does this by living it out. He brings the very word of God, Jesus himself, into this foreign life, the life of sin, the life of corruption, so on and so forth. But he does this perfectly so that we will know him. He relates to us so that we can relate to him, that is, to know him. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when God speaks to us through word and sacrament, through his actions, through scripture, through the preaching of the pastor, through the hymnody, through the liturgy, so on and so forth, this is God using our language the language he has gifted us with, to then bring us to him. Notice this work is all about what he is doing for us. And this is what Pentecost helps us to remember and see, that it takes something outside of us, God himself acting in his creation in a way that breaks free sin, death, and hell, breaks us free from those bondages, those chains, so that we get to have the freedom to use our language, to use our actions, to use our life to point others to Christ, to be disciple-makers. That means showing others the great and wondrous gift we have in Christ and Christ alone. These are the joys that are set before the church, and this is what Pentecost is all about. It truly is a celebration because it is now the work of Christ going out into the world, to the ends of the world, and the joy of that is what we do every Sunday. And I really can't stress this enough. And it's hard because it seems so mundane. Oh, we just do the liturgy. Oh, we just sing the hymns. Oh, we just sit in the pew or stand. No, this is being in relationship with God as he promises to come through his word. We don't make this up. We use the very word, the scripture, to speak to God, for he has given you a holy tongue. The very word of God has been placed upon your lips so that you get to thank and praise God with his word so that we get to know that we have been made right 
We have been made righteous. We have been made holy in the work that He delivers, that He works. So I encourage you to continue to not only read your Bible, but come to church and connect with your brothers and sisters in Christ and to hear the work of God delivered for you, to you, and let the Holy Spirit work within you so that not only do you get closer to God, but that you live in and through Him as He lives forevermore with you. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.